Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email Marketing. And my guest today is Stu Swineford from Relish Studio. Stu, our first time to talk. Welcome and thanks for making the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, it, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you this afternoon and, and seeing in, what kind of fun stuff we can talk about. You uh, Are you up high in Colorado somewhere? I am. I live at 9,000 feet uh, west of Denver, kind of west of Boulder area. Um, we've lived up here since since 93, um, partially because we love it, because it's yeah. an amazing place to be, even in the winters. I'm, I'm a, a Colorado kid yeah. at heart. And... Uh, and then also because we're too lazy to move. So there you go. <laughs> you're in you're Nether- Netherlands, is that where you are? Netherland area. Yeah, Netherlands about eight miles north of where I live. Okay. I'm about halfway in between Blackhawk and Netherland, actually. Okay, so we're going to go off the rails right from the very beginning. I'm a Colorado kid as well, um, although I'm in Washington State now. Have you ever been through Sawatch? Oh, yeah. So I grew up in Gunnison. Um, so really? watch is just, uh, you oh, know, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, I think from Gunnison. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. go there a lot, but I've, I've definitely been you? there. Why would you, but still, uh, it, it, or is the Netherlands area, like, I mean, since 93 drier, hotter, more fires, all, all of the dire stuff. Oh, in terms of, of recent developments, uh, you know, yeah, I think we're all sort of experiencing that climate change challenge, uh, that yeah. we're seeing globally. Um, you said you were in the North. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean, Bellingham. it got up to uh, 116 degrees. It's, it's just 105. obscene. We're up here in the we're up here in the great big trees, and it was 105 degrees. I'm like, just yeah. just a jaw dropping experience, and yeah. uh, hopefully, we'll yeah. All, yeah. So we're seeing that last year was particularly bad in terms of fires. Um, kind of in our area, there was a pretty decent sized one burning near Boulder. And um, then another one sparked up just north of us. Um, it, you know, probably t- 15 miles as a crow flies north of us, but still I had some friends that were affected by that one. And then we had, you know, three really major ones burning to the north and west of, of uh, this area. So it was really smoky and yeah. they, sh- they shut down the, the forest at one point. Um, where you know you weren't allowed to go into the forest anymore because they just didn't have the capacity of firefighters to yeah. you know to yeah. to combat anything new. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting summer. We're hoping it's been a little wetter this year, so yeah. we're hoping that uh, things continue in that in that vein. Oh uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so as well. I and mean, we could probably start. We could probably spend the hour easily talking <laughs> just about uh, you know the the macro issues facing us, but you know day jobs and stuff like that. Hey, fill me in a bit. On on Relish Studio and and you mentioned nonprofits when we were talking a bit beforehand, but broad strokes, uh, focus for the agency and kind of stuff you like doing with them. Yeah, so Relish is a uh, digital marketing agency. We've been around since the mid to what? How do you say that? We we were actually kind of founded. At least my my involvement came about in two thousand eight. Okay. Uh, it was an existing agency. I had an agency of my own, and we kind of rolled them together okay. at the time. We like the Relish name better than, than the one that I was using, so we kept Relish. And um, you know, through the course of our uh, you know our tenure here, we've we've primarily been focused on kind of website design and development. Mm-hmm. So really focusing in that digital realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we still do some print work here and there. I started out as a print guy, but uh, but you know, we we primarily focus on digital marketing efforts and and really helping to create conversion focused opportunities for for clients. Right. Um, really making sure that that investment that they're making in their marketing and in their website is is you know creating a return. Um, and um, you know, primarily WordPress design and development work. And we've really started to focus um, quite heavily in kind of this purpose driven space. So really trying to find people who have a company ethos is a little bit bigger than just making money. It's about trying to do something else to help uh, 
you know, help the world. Right. So for example, Relish is a 1% for the planet partner. So 1% of our, of our revenues go back to environmental causes. Um, you know, just things like that. Nonprofits, B Corps, people like that are the, right. are the people that we really like to serve. Um, I found myself working on a nonprofit site in, um, it was a Memorial day weekend. It was gorgeous here. It was two o'clock on a Sunday and they had something that they really needed to get out that following week. And I'm banging away, um, you know, working for them. And I, and I stopped and I thought, man, I'm not upset about this. And so at that point I was like, Oh, okay. If I could do okay. more work yeah, with people who are, who are making a difference, it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like work. And and that's really kind of what we're looking to do. I think all of us should be looking to do something. Yeah. Like that. Nice. And, and do your clients tend to come from Colorado or do you end up all over the place? We're a little bit all over the place, but I would say that we're you know, 90% focused in state. It's the, you know, just easier to sell um, here in the local area. Um, but we do have, we have clients running out of Montana and California and New York. And so we, we certainly have people from all over. Nice. We've worked with people all over the globe uh, in, you know, in the past 12 years or so. Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of fun. We'll end up talking about email a bunch, but do other channels, uh, social media, uh, mobile, like do those, do those factor in the things that you help those clients with? Yeah, we primarily focus on, um, kind of the web experience. Uh, obviously all of those things kind of come into play. So when we, when we talk about kind of this ecosystem, this marketing ecosystem, you know, the hub is really your website. And then certainly we can get into the weeds in terms of there are, are multiple hubs within your website or there, there should be. But, you know, at, at the, the end of the day, you have your site and then you have your content, which you need a place to put the content. The content's so important. And then the third overlap becomes kind of SEO. And so if you think of the Venn diagram with those three elements, the website might, well, actually the content's probably the biggest. The website, you know, is is in there because that's that's super necessary and then you have the overlap of seo which content certainly helps fuel um and then there's all the other stuff around that which is which is all really important for driving awareness and driving interactions and engagement um so that can be everything from you know pay-per-click advertising to social media to emails to in-person events which we think are are part of that ecosystem and part of that that support network that that starts to drive drive interest and, and help build relationships. We kind of look at marketing as, as relationship building at the end of the day. Nice. Nice. And I would imagine for purpose-driven companies like you described, content's even higher up the stack because there's, there's gotta be an emotional and a personal component to why, you know, why someone's going to connect with them or be a customer. Yeah, one, you know, one thing about purpose-driven and in our minds, and certainly I think that there can be a, a variety of, of ways to interpret that sort of bucket. Um, but, you know, in our minds, it's really just people who are trying to do something more than just make money. You know, it's great to, to want another yacht, but if you can put something else together that helps fuel yeah. your, your company culture, um, that tends to be something that, that you can message against that really helps, you know, drive all the people who are engaged, but all the stakeholders. So everybody from your internal team to your vendors, to your clients, even, mm -hmm. um, can get really engaged with those types of activities. And so we encourage companies to do that. We, we start a lot of our exploration and a lot of our, our engagements with kind of the idea of, of value proposition, as well as vision values and mission. And well, actually starting with values, um, you know, really what are those things that, that drive um, everything that you're doing? The vision then being that long-term kind of play, like what, what's a, an aspirational future state you seek your company to create? Mm -hmm. And then the mission becomes kind of those day-to-day -day activities and those, the day-to-day -day kind of ethos that drives toward that, that um, North Star of your vision. Um, and, and so really any company can be purpose-driven if you yeah. have some yeah. kind of component to it, um, that, that enables, uh, you to do a little bit more than just, just making a paycheck. Right. Right. I, I, I have a friend, educator, uh, now retired, but you know, when someone starts knocking capitalism, he, he has this tart response. He's like, well, look, being a drug dealer is a perfectly legitimate capitalist enterprise. So 
uh, don't don't lean too hard heavily on your rationalization. You could go sell that as well. Why are you not doing that if it's more profitable? Surely right. there's another reason to do what you're doing, which is right. you know, which sounds like uh, the heart of what uh, of what you're saying. I would think it would also help. You know that purpose driven dimension would also help uh, recruit and retain employees mm-hmm. these days. Yeah, particularly in you know what we're seeing in in some of the trends for employment, particularly as millennials and yeah. Gen, whatever they are, whatever the new <laughs> the next ones, the newest people coming out of college are, and you know I and I, I'm ex- just thrilled to death that this is the case. But they are really starting to um, to drive the narrative on on both sales and recruitment. Yeah. Um, so you know, people are, are starting to really vote with their dollar yeah. and, and decide w- where they want to spend their money and where they want to spend their time based upon the values of those businesses that they're contributing to. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and likewise in the workplace, um, people want to work for companies that have something bigger than just, you it's know, go, showing up to work and putting in your 40 hours and going home. And, and, you know, if you can feel like you're part of something bigger than, than just, selling a widget um yeah. you know if that selling that widget means something more than that then i think that that's that's like you said, proving like you to said be about your sunday right it's like you said mm-hmm. about your sunday afternoon it's like wait a minute i'm not i'm you know i'm not cranked by doing this like there's a reason to do it that's not just demanding client and contract and stuff like that like exactly a lot easier exactly. and and i i agree about the millennials and the the generation following it it does seem I keep reading about various labels, but I keep reading about the the great reshuffle, I think is the label, like the, mm-hmm. the expected. A lot of people are going to go, hang on a second. Why am I doing this job? Why shouldn't I do that instead? You know, I had a year to think about it more than before. So now I might act on it. I might move to Colorado. I might change jobs. I might, might, might. It's like, ooh, that's a, that's a nice outcome off yeah. of a fairly difficult uh, time for everybody. Yeah, it's really there's there's a lot of complexity and a lot of interesting things going on yeah. Um, yeah. in the marketplace right now, yeah. and, and it's, it's fun to see. Um, <laughs> I, I think for some people it's probably a little scary because they never had to to you know offer up you know company culture as a as a selling point yeah. in the past, um, yeah. or it was you know do you have a foosball table when I was when I was kind of coming <laughs> right. up in the dot com era right in that yeah in that late nineties <laughs> zone yeah yeah know, it was like are the is there free soda and yep. you know, do you have a football table? And yeah. you know, that was kind of that company culture, but it's, a, it's a step in that direction where it's, it's, you know, the idea that, that it's more than just coming to work and, and doing your time and, and that being it. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's been really interesting. I've, I've been doing this for a while now, so it's, it's been fun to, to kind of see how things have evolved. Well, if you, you said 93, so like, you, you read the press about work-life balance and you must be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for a lot longer than just this year, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we, I, I held jobs for a, a number of years there. So I was working in Boulder when we bought our house up here in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so commuting down to Boulder every day. Mm-hmm. Then I've commuted to Denver every day. We, we used to joke that we're 45 minutes from everywhere. Yeah. Um, cause at the, at one point we kind of were, um, yeah. you know, I could get to downtown Denver from my house in 45 minutes, which is not a horrible, not that bad. um, you know, that's pretty average really. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, and Boulder was very similar. Boulder is actually a little, little more predictable. Um, and that's why that's where relish is located. When we, when we go somewhere We're we're located in Boulder now. Right. Right. Um, good brand. Good for the brand too. Right. Boulder is yeah, a, great, yeah. a great association to have. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the work-life balance. I mean, they, the thing I think I took to heart was the idea of either live where you work or live where you play. Yeah. And I, I chose the where where I play. And then now it's where I work too. So there you go. Yeah. And the uh, the infrastructure enabling that is just, it's gotten better and better. I, I was talking with someone the other day and I said, you know, we really dodged a bullet with the timing of the pandemic and they, they, they looked askance and I said, no, you got to understand. I mean, I work with, I work with this stuff for a living. Five years earlier, you would not have seen businesses, schools, and, and all sorts of ranges of organizations going, I guess we have to adapt. And for the most part, 
doing it relatively successfully. You know? Yeah. I, I, I was actually talking about this with someone earlier today. Yeah. Where if this had happened 10 years ago, oh. who, who knows what would have happened? It would have yeah. been yeah. chaos. I mean, it was chaos anyway. But can you imagine, you know, I mean, without the tools that we have, you know, you and I are talking with each other on a podcast here. Yeah. yeah. 1700 miles apart yeah. and it's working just fine. Yeah. At least I believe it is. My end's working great. And um, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, you know, five, 10 years ago. And it, and it was partially bandwidth and the sort of infrastructure pieces of it, partially, you know, to, uh, tool sets. Um, and also just you know, uh, facility ease, comfort, et cetera. You know, uh, that I've been a digital adopter. You've been a digital adopter for a long time. Not everybody was and has. I heard one school system say, uh, uh, apropos of the pandemic, um, we had a 10-year plan for remote education and distance learning, and we implemented it in two weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I hope, the, I, I hope, I'm sure kids are ready to get the heck back in class. I'm not saying let's stay virtual for that particular function, but, uh, but at least, at least there was a lifeline there. Not, not necessarily great for everybody, but at least there was right. a lifeline there and it would have been, right. would have been a lot different before. Um, lateral curveball. I'm intrigued that you're Colorado College liberal arts grad. I am. Yeah. You are. How has yeah. that, how has that background I, I i know that i know i know a reasonably good bit about the school terrific institution yeah i had a i, I was very fortunate to be able to attend cc back in mm-hmm. in the late 80s early 90s oh wow graduated in 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 1991 okay um so there's there's how old i am um so cc was really great for me in a lot of respects it yeah. uh the block plan yes i'm a very immersive kind of guy and so having that opportunity, and for those of the those of the audience who aren't familiar with the block plan, you take one class, one one specific one class. class for three and a half weeks. Yep. Some of them are longer. Uh, for example, organic chemistry or something like that would be a two block mm-hmm. uh, course. But um, for the most part, you're taking one course for three and a half weeks, and then you get a, a short little break. You get Wednesday afternoon through Sunday off, and then you go back and you take your next class. So instead of having to juggle, um, you know, five or six or however many, I don't even know, uh, however many uh, courses that people take at a, at a standard institution um, and, you know, figuring out how to study for each of those. And, and you get, you just get this immersive experience. And for me, it was actually uh, quite good. I, I was, um, I was a sociology major um, and so that has certainly applied to what oh, I do yeah. with marketing oh, yeah. quite a bit in, in a lot of ways. And then I was actually um, in pre-med as well. Um, so the pre-med part, some of those classes were a real challenge. Like I mentioned, uh, organic, organic chemistry, yeah. for yeah. example, um, was, you know, two months of, of very intensive. You'd go to class at, at eight, you'd get out of class about noon, you'd have an hour to grab lunch, you'd then you have to go back to lab from about one to four or so one to four thirty, yeah. and then you'd go study. And yeah. so, you know, when it was funny, cause you'd have friends that would just disappear for a while. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, they must be in something really horrendous <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, physics or, or chem or something. So um, did you jump from Gunnison high school to CC? I did. Yeah. Wow. I graduated so Gunnison. So from a more, a, you know, I, I'm a Durango high school grad. So mm-hmm. like same old, same old, right? I, wonderful small town public schools, but not a block system no. to, you must've had classmates from all over the world, mm-hmm. serious, serious immersion, terrific faculty yeah. at, at CC, like a real, that's a real jump up in the jump up in terms of perspective. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, some of the kids who'd come from boarding school uh, yeah. scenarios or, or, you know, really solid prep school scenarios yeah. certainly had a, a leg up on, on some of us who, may may not have had that same sort of intensive experience but yeah. um but yeah i mean cc was was you know really good for me and then i was waiting to get into med school so i applied to med school and didn't get in my first year mm-hmm. um and was working as a salesperson at a bike company a, a catalog company okay um, back in the day and um one day the the 
owner asked me out to lunch and I was like, well, am I getting fired here? That'd be kind of weird to take someone to lunch and fire them. But yeah. I had no idea what was going on. And they said, Hey, you know, you, you went to school and you're, you know, seem to be pretty sharp. You want to write copy for us? Cause they had a catalog. That was their primary source of revenue. Okay. Um, and I mean, they had, they had a brick and mortar, but they were pri- primarily catalog sales. Catalog. Okay. And I yeah. said, sure, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. So I started writing copy for them. And about six weeks later, the graphic artist just stopped showing up to work. She quit and we had to get a catalog out and yeah. people were kind of like freaking out because they didn't know what to do. And I said, well, I know how to turn on the Mac. I'll, I, right. I'll do that. And so all of a sudden I found myself kind of thrust into this role hey, at, a, at a very early age. of maker or Quark? One of the two. Uh, it was Quark, actually. Got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. And uh, I thrust into this role of director of marketing for one yep. of the top three uh, catalog companies in the in the nation at that point. Wow. Um, so ran that department for for a number of years, and then went on to um, went on to you know work work at agencies, did a whole bunch of dot com stuff. Okay. You know, all the ups and downs there, and then yeah. at some point I. I lost my mind and decided I could I could do this myself. So I started started my own business with with a partner, and then we rolled. As I said earlier, we rolled that into Relish about a year later. Yeah, and um, yeah. So it's been been. I, I joke that I haven't been employed for twelve <laughs> years now, thirteen yeah. years now. So how does how does someone you know how does someone? I always think of marketing as like the outside edge of the bubble in terms of communications and relationships building. Like, how do you stay current? And I don't mean technically current; I mean marketing current. Like, how do you stay in touch? Well, you know, we use a, a variety of mechanisms. I think that I think that the thing that I have committed myself to doing is just having conversations, and whether or not those conversations lead to anything isn't the point. It's just the point of having them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about the podcast that I started last mm-hmm. year. It's okay. called Relish This, um, is that I was having those conversations anyway. I was yeah. talking with people about yeah. their businesses and asking them questions about where they were seeing challenges and how how they had overcome them and things that were working and things that weren't and yeah. you know surprises and things of that nature all the time. And so flipping that into a podcast just seemed completely natural Yeah, in that, you know, it, it was just work I was doing on the regular anyway. So I tend to think of it as, as just like I, I think I said earlier, just relationship building where, you know, if you can facilitate a conversation in some fashion and then be present and, and be helpful and serve during that conversation, then good things happen. Yeah. And those good things may happen, you know, directly in front of you in terms of, of filling your pocketbook, or they may happen elsewhere where you've provided some people some some good tips and insights, and and they can go and and kind of roll with it. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the the first step. And so, you know, the mechanisms that I use to do that, and you know, back at back in the day, you know, pr- prior to last year, it was a lot of in person networking event stuff. Um, you know, really making sure that that I was out uh, having those conversations to start to, to kind of fuel uh, filling up my, my calendar with other conversations. Um, and now, you know, being, being remote and virtual um, and we leverage, we leverage LinkedIn a lot mm-hmm. um, to just try to prospect and, and start relationships and start conversations there. Yeah. Um, we do hit, you know, we, we, we use our email list a lot in terms of trying to create opportunities for follow-up conversations. Okay. okay. And, um, and yeah, that's, those are kind of the two big ones. I mean, we're on social. I, I think, you know, LinkedIn falls into that, mm-hmm. that bucket for sure. Um, but those are, those are kind of the, the starting points, I think. Gotcha. Um, one of the things that we've been doing with, with email in particular is getting away from that newsletter idea where um, people send out, you know, a choose your own adventure newsletter once a month that has nine different links and, you know, three, maybe three calls to action. And, and the expectation there is that someone's a going to open that when it's clearly a newsletter. Um, It's sent from a, it's sent from an info at address or newsletter at, or, you know, something that's not a person. It's, 
since you know, the, the subject line is monthly newsletter or something, equally, <laughs> yeah. you know, not yeah. fantastic. And, and it's just not taking advantage of, of a lot of the things that email actually affords in terms of advantage. Um, you know, email is, is great because it, because it, it's, a, it's something that someone has opted into for the most part, they've raised their hand at some point and said, Hey, I'm interested in this. Yeah. And so you, you've automatically elevated that, that conversation and that relationship to a different level than just, you know, blasting something out on social. So we love that optimized email in terms of, you know, really looking at subject lines, who it's from, who it's to leveraging opportunities in that space is, mm -hmm. is super helpful. And then what we've been doing, and this, this was my main point was getting back to this idea that you, you can actually just send out your blog, your post in an email, as opposed to forcing someone to come back to your site. Um, yeah. You can have that conversation. You can create that back and forth exchange within this mechanism that people are, are using. And, um, and, and also you can have a very pointed, you have a, you know, a single point that's a blog post or whatever it is. You're not just allowing people to choose whatever piece of this thing yeah. they thought was interesting. Yeah. So you can have a little bit of control over that as well. And then in the nonprofit space, um, you know, the, the boomer generation continues to be the most um, philanthropic in terms of, of donations okay. and money. And, mm -hmm. and those, that generation is still very heavily steeped in email. So I would say for any people out there who are in the nonprofit space that, you know, not, not to ignore email because, you know, a lot of your potential donor base is, is probably on that, on the, on that platform a lot. Yeah. And it's the, it's the link, the link that you, the link that you actually can maintain control over, right? Facebook can't ch yank that audience out from under you. Yeah. And yeah. Think if all of your, all of your, you know, eggs were in the MySpace bucket, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you don't, yeah, you don't have control over these other platforms. Anything could happen. Um, yeah. You know, and I think Facebook is starting to see that a little bit in terms of backlash yeah, too. where, you know, there are a lot of people who either were on it, who decided that they don't want to be, or, and it's still the elephant in the room. I mean, you know, they have, yeah. they have a huge chunk of, of, of the population yeah. in their system in some fashion, but, but yeah, you don't, you don't have to, any control over that. Okay. Yeah, so. you, really, you really don't. Um, back back to your uh, back to your newsletter description i'm going i'm going to guess you also at, at least in, for some clients or for yourselves advocate the shift to stop sort of talking in third person and go ahead and be direct and personal even mm -hmm. though you may be sending it to a thousand people yeah you know i don't think it's dis disingenuous to to approach email from the perspective that this is a one to one conversation right and even if you, yeah, you're, you're sending this to 500 people or a thousand people. You're still wanting to connect with each of those people. Right. right. And um, so crafting your email and making it, um, making it tailored to where it, it, it is a one-to-one -one. it is, mm -hmm. you know, it is that feel and, and you know, you're not trying to spoof that you're really, if you come at it from the perspective of, of we're trying to provide value mm -hmm. and, and just approach it from that, then I think you're in a pretty good starting place um, yeah, yeah, in terms of, like of where, where you're going. And so if I'm sending a, you know, a bunch of emails that I think it's going to be valuable to those people. So that's the first step. And then, yeah, tailoring that message, working in use and working in names whenever you can. Yeah. Um, and, but thinking about it, so starting from the perspective of this is an email to you. Right. As a person, right. as opposed to how how can I send an email to a whole bunch of people? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that that if you can just put yourself in that space and, and in that mindset, I think yeah. that that is really helpful. Yeah, to change to change the change the author's uh, authorial intention or whatever the phrase is. I had uh, I I had a friend of mine, April Mullen from Spark Post, on early early on when we started this podcast, and April and I ended up, I think that was the conversation. We ended up talking about the rise this surprise rise of paid email newsletters within the last couple of years, yeah. Substack being the prominent one. Um, yep. 
Twitter, I think Twitter just bought a company that's in sort of a similar space. It was like, that is a surprise. Why is that? I mean, we we're both speculating, but that, you know, you know, own the connection was certainly part of it. The, um, the success of actually getting that first person communication and not having to jump through extra hoops and clicks to get to it and read it mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense as well. Like you're kind of managing your paywall with the send if mm-hmm. in, in a, in a Substack t- kind of scenario. And yeah. any, any other thoughts to that on that space? I was just reading an article about this the other day. Um, and, and it is fascinating. I think that the, the 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 word newsletter is being used a slightly differently Agreed. in this context Agreed. where what they've done and, and the name that pops to mind is Matt Talby Talby I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name but he's he's a well-known author a writer from I believe he was with Rolling Stone perhaps back in the day and he just sent out a Substack big like yeah. they bone you know like they they cut a business deal to basically say come hang out your own shingle right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that some of that is in response to the perceived or, or experienced crackdown on the platforms that they were using effectively. So for example, if, you know, if somebody gets banned from Twitter um, and that was their platform, then what happens? Right. And so I think that that was, that was part of the deal. And then I don't know that these are actually have that same sort of newsletter connotation. I think that they're very similar. I'm not, I don't subscribe to one, so I, I am, I'm sort of uh, guessing here, but yeah. I'm guessing that there are that there, you know, a a single topic of discussion mm. um, when they get sent. Um, at least that's how it, it sounds to me, as opposed to, you know, creating a, you know, a, what what I think most people think of as a newsletter that has. You know, here's the last, here's, here's an excerpt of the latest blog post. And here's, um, you know, some news that happened to, you know, in the last three months. And here's, uh, yeah. you know, perhaps a resource that you might be interested in. That's just this mishmash of stuff. Mishmash but, of stuff. but again, I'm, I'm sort of making some guesses here, but I, I do think that, that, that you're spot on in terms of the ownership of the, of the, of the platform, per, so to speak. I mean, e- email is a little bit platform agnostic where if you're on, if you're on Facebook, you're on Facebook. And if you're on Twitter, right. you know, there's not, there's not a lot of other yeah. options there. That's the, that's a channel. There's a, there's, there's a, a gentleman who lives up here in the Northwest. Um, and actually I, like we've been, we've been friends for a, a good decade plus a fellow named Mark Anderson. Um, and he has put out an email newsletter called strategic news, strategic news service for, I think Mark's going on 30 years at this. <laughs> that's awesome. And it was like, it was a paid email newsletter way back when. And I mean, he's definitely one of the smartest people I've ever had a chance to be in a room with. And when you read strategic news, it's like Mark sat down and wrote this. It was not a staff. It was not, let's outsource this. It's like, this is what Mark thinks about this issue. And mm-hmm. it ends up, his 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 issues are less frequent Um the other newsletter that I've subscribed to for a good number of years now that 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 helped me watch this space evolve in the last couple is uh, Ben Thompson's Stratechery. So mm-hmm. I pony up my ten bucks a month for Stratechery happily, and I pounce on it every morning to read it. And but it feels like, and it is, you know, Ben's like, okay, you saw the you know Apple headline about blah blah blah. Let me put it through my lens. Here's what I think. I may be wrong. Here's past references and. Three days later, he may say, oh, yeah, when I said, you know, it was pink, you know what, dumb call on my part because I didn't know this or now I understand. Right. It's like it's got a very one to one, not a newsletter feel. It's a it, it feels more like a, a journal in public, if you will. Right. Now, yeah. I I think that that's the approach that that we recommend if, in yeah. terms of what are you what are you sending out? And, yeah. and certainly, you know, you need to send out something every once in a while that that speaks to news and something that asks for a, a purchase or, or a, an engagement or a next step type of deal. However, just being sensitive and thoughtful to how you do that, I think is what yeah. really sets the, the, makes the difference between, you know, yeah. something that's going to get opened on the regular and something that just, yeah. you know, maybe they don't unsubscribe, but they're certainly not participating with. Yeah. And even if they don't, even if they don't read it, uh, 
I hate to use the word authenticity because it gets beat up a lot, but you know, there I occasionally will skip a you know a, a stratechery issue, but it's not. Oh, I'm mad at that guy. I'm going to unsubscribe. So I just didn't have time to read that mm-hmm. right now. I will probably go back and do it later, but I sort of trust it. If I go do it later, it's going to be smart, authentic, informed, and all that other stuff. So, yeah. so the fact that it's sitting there in the inbox, he won, even if I didn't happen to read it today. Like right. from a business perspective, still right. a win for him. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a consistency component to that too, and that's one of the things that that we find people people either bite off too much, <laughs> and then freak out and don't do anything. Yep. So I I think you know setting smart goals early on is really important. Yeah, you know, it, makes sense. Yeah, it can be a little bit of a stretch, or it can be a little uncomfortable. But if it's really uncomfortable, our tendency as humans is to do nothing yeah. as opposed to doing a little bit because it's, both of those feel like fails, right? Slink away. Like if I say I'm going to send out one a day, and you know I can't do that. Yeah, I've failed. Yeah, even if I send out four a week, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. so in in my mind, I've I've failed, and so I might as well do none because it still gets into the L column right. in terms of wins losses. Yeah, and so really, when you when you come at that first initial, like, you know, I think I want to do this, just setting your commitment mm-hmm. to something that, you know, again, maybe a stretch, but isn't going to break you. Mm-hmm. And then once you get good at that, um, you know, so if you say, I'm going to do one a month and you're right. nailing it, then you can do two a month. Right. And that, that can be your next commitment. And, and so there's a few other things uh, in terms of, of consistency and cadence is people get used to that. And yes. they, yes. and so then they start to expect it in, not in a bad way in a, in a, you know, they're looking forward to it Yeah. <clears throat> or even like you said, if maybe you skip a couple, it's still there. And so it's still demonstrating that you're around and you're there to help and you're, you're engaged and you're thinking about these things. And, and that, like you said, is just another win. Yeah. Um, so I think w- with anything we do, making sure that we set appropriate, uh, <laughs> appropriate, um, commitments that are, you know, that are reasonable is, uh, is a, a good thing to take into yeah. account. Yeah. It, that you'd think the difference between blogging and, and the kind of email, you know, newsletter that we're talking about here, it isn't big, but I remember, remember when I re- remember when blogging was big and like <laughs> everyone and their dog jumped on writing a blog and so many of them felt forced and I've got to make up stuff to talk about. And, and with a blog, you don't know who's going to read it. Right. With email, you've got like, okay, this set of people said, yes, I do want to get that. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different, that's a very different starter for the relationship than random guy who happens to run across me in a web search and read that one blog post. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that the, so one of the other things I love about email as well as, as taking materials and and finding out ways to kind of repurpose those materials. So creating that content is, um, so I'll, I'll just mention, I'll mention LinkedIn to start. So one of the things that we noticed was my reach on LinkedIn was a lot higher than the web traffic that we were getting. And that started, you know, this was back in, back in the day. And I was like, Oh, well, that's interesting. So I started thinking, well, why don't I, make sure that I publish to LinkedIn at least as frequently as I publish on my site, because that's where the people are. So instead of expecting people to come to you all the time, you just go to where they are. And similarly, email has the same kind of capacity. You know, if you have a thousand person email list, you know, you might not have, you, you, you may, but you may not have a thousand actually interested people coming to your site. Right. Um, right. You might get plenty more clicks than that at, on any given day, but a lot of that is, you know, just kind of organic junk traffic, um, yeah. which is still, you know, these are, these are not bad things, but yeah. ultimately if you have a thousand people who've raised their hand and said, yeah, I want this, then <clears throat> you're going to them and you're, yeah. you're giving this to them where they are already participating. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, it makes sense to, to leverage it as a, as an opportunity. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I talked with one gent at a, at a fairly a sizable non, nonprofit, uh, operation smile, if I recall correctly, like they help correct, um, mm-hmm. 
help correct smiles all over the world. And he said, he was telling me how methodical they are about, he used the word curating, curating uh, the stories that, that come up through their work. Like that really became their marketing asset. And it wasn't a cynical thing. It was like, we, we need to communicate the difference this is making, mm-hmm. whether it's a photograph or a video or a written story. Like we need to get that in people's hands because really that's a great deal about why they donated, supported, whatever. In the first place, it wasn't wasn't just to have a tax write-off. It was, you know, I can, ch- I can help change a kid's life and seeing yeah. that happen yeah. is is a heck of a thing. Like, yeah. it's interesting. That comes, that comes back to that whole, you know, persona exercise and really understanding why people are interested in what you're saying or what yeah. you provide. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time it's not what doesn't have anything to do with what we do. It's how we make their life better. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, ulti- yeah. ultimately, you know, if that, if, if making their life better was just me figuring out a couple of things that were causing them, challenges and going over and you know washing their car or walking their dog or whatever mm-hmm. that made their life better than you know then that's great that right. you know they you know certainly we need to to differentiate and 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 establish what things we're best at and do those yeah. things but but uh you know no one really cares how we get it done a lot of the time yeah 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 no it's a it's a fair observation do you have I won't phrase it as a question because it'd be BS. I find myself wondering about our our load capacity in this in this content economy. It's like there are way too many things that I could read, and I just couldn't possibly get to all of them. And mm-hmm. the selection criteria is often pretty flipping arbitrary. You know, like I ran mm-hmm. across this or I liked that, so I stuck with it. And there's you know, 52 others that'd be maybe more useful and I just don't know about them. And, and even discovering the good stuff is a whole lot of work and time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it really is. How do you get above the, how do you get your signal above the noise for the people for whom it's going to, you know, speak? Or- well, I think that might come down in a lot of respects to not trying to appeal to everybody. And, um, you know, I, again, I think from a, psychological or sociological standpoint, we all like to be liked. Um, but sometimes we have to just pick a lane (laughs) and, and decide this is what we're going to talk about. And, and really there is an audience for pretty much everything. And that audience may be very, very small, Mm -hmm. but if you can inspire and educate and bring value to that even very small audience, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be the person that they go to for information, et cetera. Um, if you've, if you've, you know, satisfied that, that itch and yeah. it's, it comes back to a, so a lot of people think we need an app, right. And, or I need an app or I have this great idea for an app. Yeah. And our, our inclination is to just rush out and build it and, and, you know, then expect people to show up and, and buy it, which sometimes certainly happens. I mean, you know, that, that does happen. However, if you can build a rabid fan base before you go out and, and build the app, right. Um, you're going to save yourself a lot of money because you have a, you have this group of people that are, that are automatically going to purchase this thing when it, when it arrives. And, and so similarly, I think that we can, we can kind of take that same approach in terms of just, you know, really focusing on a specific, uh, niche, um, really getting great at, at satisfying the challenges, um, of that niche in terms of just the materials that we put out. And then, you know, and, and then that becomes this thing that, that can grow and it can grow from. Um, it's a lot easier to grow something that's specific than a, a general, a general thing. Yeah. Um, and again, there are plenty of examples of, of general things that have grown quite large, but you know, if, if you can, if to try and get through all that clutter and to try and rise above all that, all that churn, yeah. I think that that specialization is, is part of that, 
yeah. part of that component. Yeah, niche down, niche down, niche down. Uh, someone said the other day, I'm like, hmm, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a challenge. We um, yeah, we live in such a wealth of information access, and it's it's uh, it's easy to lose sight of that in sort of dog paddling through it. You just go, wait a minute, hang on a second. Like you have, you have like the world's library at your fingertips. Tell me yeah. how this is not a good thing. This is a good thing. It means you have to sit down and read some of it, and you right. can't read all of it, and that's okay. Right. But wow, right? What a what a fantastic time. Was it Louis C.K.? Everything's amazing and nobody's happy. <laughs> he <said>. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. He's right. Hmm. Yeah. You know. We yeah. Just- it's um. Yeah. We live in a really interesting age in terms of of that stuff, and the you know the fact that we're carrying around you know, a supercomputer and everybody is, it changes a lot of things and there's a, a lot more competition. And and that's where I think if you, if you just stay consistent and you, and you focus on providing value and you understand the challenges that, that the people that you, you are hoping to appeal to have mm-hmm. um, and providing information and, and assistance and, and empathy um, in that space, I think that you that you end up you end up with a, a at least a very engaged group of people who right. who care very much about your success and and supporting you. Yeah, you've got them, you know, willing to have further conversation, which is yeah. a much better footing to start on than hey, let me interrupt you and see if you'll marry me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that that we fail. So in the in the age of social media, we all are inundated with success stories all the time and everything seems so easy because we're only seeing the successes and we aren't seeing the 99 failures that, that, you know, contributed to that one success. And so as marketers, we have to, it, it would behoove us to keep in the back of our minds, the fact that let's say 97% of the people that you reach out to in any given day are not ready, not interested in what you're trying to, to provide for them. Right. Right. But three of them were, if you reach out to a hundred people, um, three people were, and the next day it's going to be three different people, or, you know, maybe it's the next week, but at some point there's, there's a natural churn on these activities. And if we can keep in the back of our heads, how that's just the game and, and understanding that we're going to get to hear a lot of no's, but some percentage of those no's are actually maybes and some percentage of those no's are no's today, but there'll be maybes tomorrow yeah. and the maybes will shift to yeses and just, just keep at it and and okay. just keep churning and keep, keep providing good, um, valuable information. I, I think that that people come around and, and that's just how, how that has to work. And then you just keep putting people in at the top and they, they could be no's or maybe's or even yeses at the start, but yeah. expecting the expectation that, you know, you're going to make 10 phone calls and, and nine of those are going to yeah. be sales is, yeah. is not um, a, a, a good expectation to set for oneself. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're, you know, don't say I'm going to write a blog post or a newsletter every day. Cause really you're not. <laughs> yeah. And, and then just remember that everything we're reading out there is edited. Yeah. And curated and and polished, so and algorithmically selected and filtered. That, and that too, yeah. Everything, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But most people don't go on social media to talk about the the you know eighty seven phone calls they made this week that they got hung up on. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, they're talking about the thirteen that that they made that were sales or or big wins or whatever. And so, just coming at it from that perspective of of you know this is hard. Yeah. It's hard. And it's okay that it's hard, but, you know, don't set yourself up to think that you're going to win the first race that you, that you enter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good, good advice. Well, I I love when a conversation wanders like this and, uh, you know, the kind of sage, like right on the mark stuff that you've had to say, like, I I hope some people get listen to this conversation because I I think there's some real valuable perspective there. Well, I've had a really fun time talking with you today, and yeah, it's likewise. great to connect with a fellow southwestern Colorado fella. 
tell you not many people from our little corner of the world you, know, you say gunnison and i've got like vivid picture and more than a few high school misadventures i think <laughs> with that town a beautiful part of the country yeah, uh, you have you stayed in colorado the whole time uh, well, we moved to Gunnison when I was in uh, early part of high school. Okay. So I finished up high school, okay. uh, grew up in Oklahoma City, and I've been back. Let's see, we left in 85. I think I've been back four times. Okay. Um, so I didn't really miss it too much. Yeah, okay. Um, I got that. You know, there are lots of lots of lovely people in Oklahoma City, but I'm, I uh, prefer to live here in, in the state. And then um, when I was going to college, I was looking at a, a few different schools and decided I really wanted to stay in state. Yeah. Um, just because I just pretty much had just gotten here and, yeah. and wasn't ready to leave. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and have been here ever since. Yeah. Well, why would you leave Colorado? I mean, come on. It's Colorado. Yeah. Well, the Seattle area is gorgeous as well. I had the privilege of climbing Rainier. Did you? Um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. And, uh, it was, it's just a gorgeous area. And then my wife is from, uh, the Corvallis Oregon area. That's so, nice as well. My, my, yeah. uh, my, my older son summited, uh, Baker, which mm -hmm. is close to us. Uh, like go ahead. I don't, I don't do heights, so you can go ahead and climb the mountain, <laughs> but I get the, but I get the, uh, I get the appeal. And yeah, this, um, this corner of the country is the only place I could have settled aside from, uh, home state there. My, my wife likes the Northwest. So here we are. You know, many nice. Well, it's a good place to be. I, I always enjoy visiting. Yeah, yeah, especially in the summer and winter. Yeah. <laughs> After sunny Southern Colorado. Ah. Well, cool. Thank you, Stu. What a delightful conversation. Oh, I had such a good time. And I really hope you have a good rest of your week, Matthew. And uh, I will talk to you real soon. Deal. My guest again has been Stu Swineford, co-founder and CMO at Relish Studio. Where does someone find you online, Stu? Uh, they can find us at relishstudio.com. So it's like relish, like pickle relish and studio.com. Yep. Um, if you are looking to listen to a podcast, it's uh, relish this. So you oh, can find that anywhere that you go to listen to podcasts. And, uh, I'm myself I'm on LinkedIn, uh, just at, uh, just search for Stu, S-T-U, Swineford, S-W-I-N-E-F-O-R-D. I'd love to connect with people there as well. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the future of email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash future of email. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash future of email, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.